and welcome back to Reading Radio. I'm Alara. I'm Jason. And this month we are joined by a special guest. Hi, I'm Heather. Yes, the love of my life, Heather Fisher, has joined us for the show, which is the book... Fahrenheit 451 by... Ray Bradbury. We know how bad you are at listing authors. <laughs> I was going to say David Hum. <laughs> Bradley. For somebody who wants to be an author, you should respect their names. I'm just saying. There's a lot of names. There are. 44 of them. No. Yes, 44 of them that we've gotten so far. We had, have we done name twice? Yes. Actually, there's less because we've done Margaret Peterson Haddock twice. At least. For shame. For shame. Uh, you shame. guys are tag teaming me. This is not fair. I think that's why she's on the show. To make things even. All right. Anyway, what have, what have you going on? I have been published for a third time. That's right. Congratulations. Another short story. Very short story. Very short story. 100 Lo- words. A 100 word story, yeah. But still, published by young writers. It's an accomplishment. Yes. What it's about a, you? It's a really creepy story. That's the point. Yes. So I've, I'm still cruising in my new job. I think I'm at eight books for the year, although I've slowed down dramatically. I need to pick it up and stop listening to so many podcasts, read some more books. I'm reading, you just asked me what it was and now I'm blanking on it. The Brandon Sanderson Mistborn Trilogy. No, I'm in, well, I'm in the middle of that one. I'm, I'm between books two and three. No, the Brene Brown book. Daring Greatly. Daring Greatly, that's what it was. I know I've read a couple of hers and I couldn't remember which one we were reading for a book club at work. So what about you? What do you do? What do you have going on? Uh, we just kicked back up with homeschool co-op where I teach a couple of classes, so I had to get ready for speech and finance and dissection for biology in high school. That's gross. Yeah, Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah, we just had eggs that had been fermenting for 10 days that we had to put under a microscope. Ew. What'd you see? It was awesome. It was really, really great to see the amoebas and and the protozoa and everything eating each other, but the smell... Oh, the smell. So you know to bring Vicks from now on, right? It didn't work. No? We had, Nothing worked. It was that bad? It was so bad. It's yeah. hilarious. We had peppermint under our noses, and I still had to run outside. I was I was gagging pretty profusely. I did not hear this story before this moment. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Wonderful. And half the class was sick, too, so there was only like... So they couldn't smell anything sick. anyway? Yeah. No, they weren't there. <laughs> they oh, were they weren't there. Okay. It was a small class. It was only three kids, but... Uh, the others didn't. I mean, I don't know. It, the cool factor and, like, just seeing it was amazing, but the smell. It's not How, me. How's your NaNoWriMo project coming? I have not written in a while, but I've been working a lot on world development. For your story or for, for Micronations? For my story. Okay. You're also taking college courses now, so your yes. your workload's a little higher. Just a little bit. Yeah, but it's Okay. All right, so Fahrenheit 451, the book for the month. Yes. Overall, what'd you think? Spoiler-free impressions? Uh, Had you read it before? Maybe start there. We started it on a car ride to or from somewhere, but I ended up falling asleep, so we just quit. And so I've never finished it. This is my first all the way through. Had you read it before? I know I've definitely read it once before. I might have read it twice before. I really? Think. Okay. I think I had to read it once for high school, and then I think I liked it, and I read it afterwards. I didn't read this in high school. Or maybe, well... I did. Maybe I was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was supposed to, and I don't remember, but I don't rem- remember it being assigned. 
I feel as though it's more impactful now than it was then because some of the correlations and connections are a whole almost, lot creepier. Almost seems like blueprints for now, doesn't it? Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. get to that when we get to the spoiler <laughs> section. Um, I feel like this fits in the, the big three of 1984, Brave New World, and Fahrenheit 451. They go together in my head as that futuristic... Not post-apocalypse, although some of them are post-apocalypse, but dystopian, dystopian Dyst- futures mm. that were 50 years ago that are coming fairly true. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Any other thoughts? Um, I did enjoy it. Yeah? So give us a spoiler-free summary. Books have been banned. And firefighters, instead of stopping fires, are now responsible for burning all the books. That's, that's a pretty good summary. That's at least a good tagline to get to well, jump in. And I think without spoiling, that's almost well, as much say. as you yeah. can say. It's so hard because you're like, oh, what about, oh, nope, can't say that. What about, oh, nope, can't say that. It is kind of, um, it's end media res, the turn. Like, it starts, like, right in the middle mm-hmm. at that moment, and then everything from that point forward is plot. Which yeah. makes you wonder how we fell asleep. I wonder if we, was, I think we got it, like, on CD or something, and we couldn't speed it up any. So it was just so slow reading that you fell asleep between words. So you're saying that Audible is required to be able to read it yeah. via audiobook so that you can speed up the... Absolutely. In fact, Audible's not officially sponsoring this podcast, but if they were, you could go to reading-radio.com slash sponsors, which you can actually do, and sign up for an Audible account through us. Doesn't cost you any extra, gives us a couple ducats, Help support the show, and you get at least one free audiobook for starting out. So check that out, reading-radio.com slash audible. This is why we keep her around, because, <laughs> or slash sponsors, sorry, for audible. I think I have both links working. Or I will by the time the show drops. Gratuitous plug. So... I'm only okay at this. <laughs> I've, st- I've stolen that from our GM. His nickname is the OK GM. So every time he makes some mistakes, he's like, I'm just okay at this. That is my new life motto. <laughs> I'm just okay at this. I'm only okay at this. <laughs> well... It works. All so right. scores and yeah. ratings. Yeah, score mm. and age. I would give it a four point five. High praise. Yeah. I'm. Uh, how far <laughs> do we break it down? Because I'm like I'm hesitant to give it a five, but at the same time we've always said zero is why did or one is why did they waste the paper? And five we should is, burn this book. Five <laughs> is everyone should read this. Everyone should, and I feel like everyone should read this book. Yeah. It's not long. It's very. Prescient? Is that the word? Like, right now, important? I've never heard that word, so I don't know. Are you making it up, or are you increasing my SAT and ACT vocabulary? I think I'm increasing your vocabulary, mm. but I'll look it up and edit this out if not. Challenge! <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm really tempted to go five. Everyone should read this. I think I will. You don't do quarters, you only do halves. No, only halves. Then I'll have to stick with the four and a half. Four and a half, okay. Well, I like it better than you two, that's fine. No, that's fair. And then age rating. The language is a bit more poetic. And there are a few darker concepts. It's been, honestly, it's been almost a month since I read it. I don't remember the details of the language. Like, was was there a swearing in it? I don't think there was swearing, but it was, like, poetic, so a little bit older English. Some of the speeches that were given, you had to... Oh, yeah, I totally think he wrote with a poetic yeah. pen yeah. intentionally to contrast the darkness of the world. I think that's a, I think that's one of the things that's beautiful about it. It may be difficult to read. Maybe 13, 14, 12 or if you're advanced. It's, but it's not for, 
It's not like for movie rating reasons, it's for difficulty reasons. Well, there's a few topics that are covered that increase the age for me. Okay, say more about that without spoiling. Deaths do occur. Sure. Uh, Tragically, you know, when it's, when they're under different circumstances, I feel that maybe younger ages can adapt to them better. When they are tragic or darker, I feel you have to up the age because of that. I would say 13 or 14, I think. That that feels good. A 13 to 14. Okay. I would That's go fair. with. We'll put it in that age range to see how it works. <laughs> okay, now we're going to enter the spoiler zone. If you don't listen to this show normally, just know that from here forward, we're going to spoil a book that's over 70 years old. It's over 70 years old. In 1953, we looked up the other... I mean, I just looked it up last night. Yeah. So, yeah, somewhere in that area. Holy cow. It's at least 60, because many of the covers I looked up had the 60th anniversary edition. So, But I want to say it was the early 50s it was written. So, yeah, it's a been a long time coming. Does that make it more impressive? Yes. Now that how, how accurately he's predicted some things about our technology. I'm convinced dystopian writers can see the future. <laughs> that, that might be true. Or, or they create the future. If you're going to copy a future to get technological ideas, why would you pick Fahrenheit 451? Wouldn't you pick Star Trek or something happy? But Star Trek's already been done. It has. We have our notebooks, our tablets, and so cell phones. Waiting for the holodeck. We just have to go with... AirPods. Yeah. Yeah. I still want a Bluetooth device that sits on my chest that I can just touch and it activates my phone and I can say, call Heather. and Like Star Trek. It'd be fun. That'd be annoying. All right. So the book <laughs> opens with Montag out of fire, right? Yeah. Yes. He's burning a house. He's burning burning books down. But at the same time, at that point, he's already, he already has books in his house. So he started that conversion. So like, that's what I mean. But we, you don't know that don't know as that the yet. reader. But you jump, you're jumping right into the middle of this story, which I, I really love. There's not the two or three chapters of warm-up and introduction. Yeah, you're dropped right into literally the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't slow its pace into the more poetic speeches or language until a little bit into it. Yeah. So it definitely pulls you in and takes you along on the ride. It almost seems like it could be the second book of a trilogy. Like in the middle of it, but it's well written enough that it's really good as a standalone. Right. I'm glad there wasn't and more I, before or after. A modern author might have made a trilogy, and this had been mm. the second book. Be or a whole, you, or you write them after. Yeah, but there'd be a whole book about his about his fall, to start the starting down the path, and how it'd be too much. This was perfect. This got right into it. Is there a possibility this becomes our our reality? We really have a. An, anemia, or an allergy to burning books. That's very evil, so I don't know if we'd go that far. But we ban books freely. Yeah. I had I posted an article about banned books and how we'd read several of them for the show. I was going to say, we have read a few banned books. Yeah, so you, it's already starting that slippery slope. I don't know that burning, uh, but even our lack of interest in reading because we have so many other options to fill our brains and to fill our time right that it's there it's beginning it's becoming those moments definitely the dumbing down entertainment is here mm-hmm. like, like i'm pretty sure he was writing about reality tv if you want and if you watch reality tv all offense intended you're on the wrong podcast i don't have to tell you but, I mean, it's it's true that every 
nuance that he mentions as far as technology and people's behaviors, you know, people, girlfriends come over to hang out, but they don't come over to interact and to be and to have conversation. They come over to stare at a TV screen. Or a phone. Yeah, some sort of choice. Right, right. And so it's, it's, it's the, it is our lives. You know, we put in a sound so we don't hear someone else. We watch a screen so we don't have to feel. Now, don't insult Audible. Okay, well, they are sponsoring this show. <laughs> I do put headphones in to do chores, and I find more chores to do so I can continue to listen to my story because... So he can ignore us. No, I don't want to ignore you. It's just a happy coincidence that I get to ignore you when I'm listening to my story from audible.com. But let me hear. <sighs> that was filled with an eye roll and a deep, heavy sigh because there is a separation of family and a separation of community when... One kid has in a set of headphones because legitimately they are trying to listen to their geometry. Another kid has in their headphones because they're trying to do their work. And then you're in the kitchen and I can't really see you. So I don't know if you have in one headphones or two headphones. And to have communication without physically tapping each person to affirm that they will take out a headphone or pause. Just clap. We'll get there. But it's a big deterrent from, you know... <laughs> one, one school room or one, one family room, everybody together. And we have time where we don't do that, but when we're all trying to accomplish things. Right, right. Absolutely. I don't care. We can do it. So back to Montag. Yeah, back to Montag. <laughs> or what were, your, what were your opening impressions? It started off really, like, the descriptions of the fire were very intriguing. Like, how artfully they were written. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, he wrote so poetically to, like, have this contrast. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I've never read anything else by Bradbury, so I don't know if that's his normal writing style or if it was more mm-hmm. intentional. I don't think I have either. I feel like I, I should. I used to watch the Ray Bradbury Theater. Like, it was an old black and white, kind hmm. of like Hitchcock Presents or Twilight Zone. Like, those those anthology shows. My my parents would watch those. and I, like That's how I got introduced to a lot of these kind of stories. It was interesting. No. Okay, so we head home from the fire. <clears throat> that's where we first meet Clarice. Yes. Right? And she's, like, 16? I think she's 17. 17. But very unusual. Like, does not fit into the world. We find out later, like, her whole family's like that. They sit around and they talk to each other. Montag is both appalled and... Intrigued. Intrigued, yeah. I mean, there's sometimes with various... Like, just different families have different ways of engaging. So some like to sit around and just be together watching TV. And I'm like, that's not me. I want to talk or not be together like this, this like i don't want to sit and watch tv as a group that's weird but, but we do we do when we're tired that's true but we do other things as well yeah yeah we do board games puzzles so people think we're weird for that sort of stuff engaging as a family like especially teenagers like you talk to your parents you said yeah they, like, like could you imagine an entire world like that you come home, you put in your seashells, you watch your three-wall or four-wall television, and you refer to them as your family. Because you're so connected and invested, because you've watched so much. I think that's one of the weirdest parts, like, how the characters on the TV show are constantly being referred to as, like, the family. Mm-hmm. And you remember, she could get cussed, if she upgraded, they could actually interface, like, talk to her by name. Mm-hmm. And, like, so it made it more... What's the word? Like more like a virtual reality. Interactive? But yeah, more interactive. I mean, some of that technology seems interesting, but I don't want to be drawn in that much. I'd rather just read a choose-your-own-adventure book. That, that would be good. 
You should read the Lone Wolf series. They're amazing. And I just picked you up. Hamlet. Choose your own adventure. You can't change Shakespeare, though. That, that, we'll <laughs> discuss that another time. That's just weird. Okay, so then we, we move. I don't want to hit every point, but there was the interesting point where she overdoses and doesn't remember. It was almost just like a casual attempt. If it was an attempt, or was it unintentional? When you kind of left it ambiguous. I think it was probably intentional. I, I felt it was unintentional. I mean, it could just be accidental, but I feel it was intentional only because... Hmm. Can lack of caring be intention like intentional? Does that like it was ap- no the apathy it. just caused like it, there was no care, there was no concern for even the people that, even the people that in, that pumped her stomach. They he called he referred to them like plumbers. Is that it, but then then that's even more tragic because this is something that's just so common. Right. They have a procedure and it's nonchalant and oh. This happens all the time. And I'm sure doctors are somewhat disassociated from their patients in those situations today. But mm. I mean, that's out of psychological necessity, I'm sure, when you're dealing yeah. with life and death every day. So what's, what's, what scenes stood out to you the most? So we don't want to summarize the whole book, but... Probably the part with the dandelion. Where Clarice picks it and, like, if you rub it under your chin and the yellow's there, that means you were in love. Oh, yeah. And then she put... She rubbed it off his chin, or it didn't go on his. Oh well, and even though he was married, that's right. I don't yeah, which was both. It was like a an interesting interaction and a sad state of affairs. Mm-hmm. Especially because then he was trying to think about where they met. Right, and but, he doesn't like remember till the end of the book where. Right, they seem to gone. barely know each other. Well, because you don't spend any time knowing each other. You know, I feel that's something that I've contemplated recently like I've changed so much from in the 20 years like since we've met and gotten married I'm not that same person and so if we were disconnected in a screen or disconnected in seashells I wouldn't know you and you wouldn't know me right you know but then still to climb into bed at each other at night and and lay there watching tv on your ceiling I guess watching tv on your (laughs) ceiling it just that'd be kind of cool not gonna lie what about you what scene stood out Mm-hmm. For some reason, like I want to say, the ending and the bombing, and because it I was really imp- did like the ending. it was impactful. But do you know what doesn't leave my brain is the firehouse dog. Hmm. The hound. The hound. It's like it's almost like Tracker Jackers from Hunger Games combined with a drone. I don't know, just the eerie sense of a simple scent from someone. Because, again, like, that's one of those things I can, I I remember people by scents. And so to think that just that tiniest bit of scent can make this beast that is nothing but a murder machine come after you, it it stirred something inside of me that was... A little scary. A little scary that just kind of hung on. Like, I don't want that to be the point that I remember the most of the movie, but that of the book, but that's that's what I remember. So for me, it was the scene where he reads the book to her friends. It's almost like a dare. Like, she's trying to cover up for the fact that he has this, oh, as a fireman, you're allowed to bring one home. Isn't it so silly? And, like, the voice actor who did this gave her such a airy, but evil... Not mm. evil. I don't not even evil. know. It wasn't evil. Uh, it's ap- It's dripping apathetic. with ap- 
apathy. Yeah, so he, had, so he reads this poem that's about the senselessness of life. It describes their very existence. And one of the women actually starts crying, but she has no idea why because she's never experienced any emotion like that. And so she, she like freaks out and snaps. But this was the moment of she's either going to be completely condemned to their, to their lifestyle or she's also going to break. Now, not being a fireman, she might not have the opportunity to find books. But that was the moment where maybe his wife has hope, and then no, not at all. It was never gonna. It wasn't gonna happen. She was completely against that. I also thought the part was interesting where they made the reality TV show out of trying to find Montag. At the oh, end, oh yeah, they put it all over TV and. And then the guys sitting there were like, "Watch this! They're gonna find somebody else and make it you, and like kill this guy instead of you." Yeah, because they have to show that they were they were victorious. You mean the media has to show that it was important? And prove their story out no matter whether they were right or wrong? No matter whether the... All right, tinfoil hats aside, that's not what the show is about. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's part of the reason we read so many of these books, I think, we're attracted to that idea. What do you think this book has to teach us today? I almost feel as though it's a proverb giving a bright flashing warning to distraction, apathy, a need for community, a need for communication. So I'm I'm like, what was he talking about in the 50s? <laughs> or was he really like predicting a future? My, the introduction of one of the versions of the books we had from the library was the like how he came up with the story. And he was a, he was pulled over, not pulled over, he's harassed for walking in Los Angeles. Hmm. because people don't walk in Los Angeles. And this was in the 50s. You'd think people might have actually walked in Los Angeles. And he's like, just walking home. Like, what are you doing? You can't be up, you have to be up to no good. And so he, he wrote a story about a guy being like kind of the same thing, and it slowly expanded as to why this guy was walking, and it became Fahrenheit 451 over time. But what was he talking about with, with the disconnection? Did he just see television being that powerful? Because you're thinking early 1950s, not everyone had TV. Okay. Skip the skip the TV portion. What about the seashells? Where do you come up with that idea? When did people have headphones? Where oh, I don't know. They, were, they didn't have portable. Like people were walking around with Walkmans till the eighties. And I don't know that you were. I mean, I know headphones were earlier on, but I don't know that you necessarily. You didn't plug them into the radio. They were plugged into uh, the record player. Right. Well, you think to. radio, everyone would sit around and listen to the radio together, like TV. So you're, but you're still engaging in this half-brained, like, you're still probably doing something because you're just listening. Like, that's why yeah. I do chores when I listen to books, because my hands want something to do. I don't know. It could be he was just talking about TV, and that expanded. Or it could, he could have been talking about radio. What books were being banned at the time? Oh, we're fifties. We're talking about the um, the Red Scare in Hollywood, and see, as he was working in Hollywood, did you just give me a look like you don't know what that is? I don't know what that is. So in the fifties, there was a lot of fear that communists had invaded, had like spies from Russia had in- mm. invaded Hollywood and were like steering us towards communism, and they were in. Uh, the government, which turns out there were, and so there was, but there was a a senator named McCarthy who was like 
trying everybody. If you had ever been part of an organization that was, that was close to communists, we're going to put you on trial in front of Congress and people's lives are ruined. People were blackballed. They weren't allowed to work. Um, so he was probably around the midst of that. I'd have to look up the history to find out if he was actually engaged in it, but there might have been some of that, of people being on one side and not the other. I, I haven't read anything about that being an influence Well, but if, but if you consider that possibility and then taking it to the fullest extreme, you know, the fullest literary extreme of taking away anything that the government isn't controlling. Because in the end, the TV was being controlled by the government and how whatever they saw, whatever they interacted with, whatever they heard was all government involved, which is why you couldn't have books because they couldn't be sent. They all couldn't be censored. So let's just get away everybody else's opinion and listen to only this opinion. So McCarthyism started at the end of the 40s, and this was published in October of 53. I just had to look it up. So yeah, it was probably a, good, a big influence as well. That makes sense. All right, so let's hit to the end, bring us home. We have Beatty is his captain. He's obviously the, like, the biggest antagonist they have. I loved the way he riled Montag. Like, as if, no, I understand it all. And this is the voice they had in the recording course. I understand it all, Montag. There's this poetry. And he starts quoting poems. It's like, which means he knows mm-hmm. everything. And he's completely bought in for the power anyway. Like, makes him super evil, in my opinion. I think you have to know what you're trying to get people to not think of. Because then you can make it sound evil. Yeah, yeah you, you know have to well. know, know the bad side. But he knew some of, so much of it and so well. Brainwashing. You're not suggesting he was actually, like, a traitor. No, I don't think he was a traitor, but, I mean, even how he explains it, that all all firefighters go through it at some point. Yeah. That maybe either his stuck around a little longer. Maybe. I I don't know. It it leaves me with some questions. And I think that's the point, though. The book's supposed to leave you with questions, especially with how it ended. Well, we haven't even brought up his friend. Mm. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about him. Oh no. Right, with him working with Professor Faber. And of course, he's in his ear the whole time he was reading that poem to the women, like, nope, don't do it. This is not going to work out well. And he was right. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to remember, because like I said, it's been a month. Did Faber get out before the bombing? I don't think it says. It doesn't say. Which means he's probably gone. Probably. It, it, it leaves it with an unknown because he was. He knew what was coming. He knew it was going to come. Hopefully he got out. That's the thing. This book doesn't answer a lot of... It doesn't answer every question, which is part of its beauty. Mm-hmm. And it, it might be because it's short. I'm okay with that. But if I'm reading like a you know 700-page book and you leave me with a ton of questions, eh, no. I'm not going to appreciate that as much. I want answers if you've got that much time. Uh, what did you think of the scene where he was facing off with Beatty? Is he going to kill him or not? Remember he gave him the fire, the flamethrower and was like, burn the books, and then he was like looking I at Beatty? I was not expecting him to... I was not expecting Montag to turn on Beatty like that. And well, and it wasn't until Faber was in trouble. Remember when he found the earpiece? Mm-hmm. That's when he was like, nope, I can go down, but I'm not letting him take Faber down with me. He was like the only hope. Which I thought was like a kind of chivalrous kind of moment for him. Yeah, putting putting... Putting someone else before yourself, especially in that society. Yeah, totally not that society. So yeah, it was kind of beautiful. Yeah, to see kind of his full transition from the very beginning of not even wanting to talk to his neighbor 
not talking to his neighbor and then having it feel so odd to start talking to his neighbor to then get to the point that he is willing to kill for somebody willing to kill willing to you know to take on his life to protect someone else's that he's barely known you know that's a complete mind shift but he feels like he knew favor more than he knew anybody else because they had real conversations and they talked to each other and they engaged and they were on the same side well and i mean i think even it's i struggle because i have people that i interact with and i see every week that i don't feel as connected to as people that i see once a year for five days at a time because we have deeper longer and more in-depth conversations that last a year long versus just everyday high by, talk high by interactions yeah. right yeah i the ending was well done because it left you with questions but it was satisfactory yeah because you don't know if they're going to be the ones to change everything or make people bring the books back or if it's going to be their kids or even their grandkids. You know what it reminded me of is the Keepers in Mistborn. Mm-hmm. So they're not too, it's not a spoiler. They've eliminated all religions but one in this world. And so there's a group called the Keepers who literally have memorized religious texts and religions from all over so that when things are changed, they can kind of give people their religions again. Hmm. So they're called the Keepers. Like, And so these guys, like they said, you know, once... Ecclesiastes. Well, yeah, one guy's Ecclesiastes. He's got it memorized. You know, one guy's, and so they've all got parts of the whole of humanity that they can put back together when the opportunity arises. But then does it become written word again? Or is it, you know, how, how 150, 200 years ago, it was oral tradition? Where, Maybe where it starts as oral from. tradition, then goes back to being written down. Eventually mm-hmm. they write it down again. Cycles. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. Yeah, again, it, it leaves you with questions, but not deep struggling questions, more just introspective. and Like, you could have written another 200 pages to tell me what happened, and I would have been fine, Ray Bradbury. But, <laughs> you know, how do you poke fun at, the, at a master? <laughs> when you've been around this long and been this successful, I'm not going to say you did it wrong. I just would have loved to see more of your work. That's all I'm saying. And he'd probably tell you to buy a different book. Yeah. Actually, this is the only one I can name off the top of my head. But I'm just, one <laughs> no, hit wonder. I, no, he wrote more. Oh. I'm just not informed enough. All right, what else? Anything else to say about it? I think that's about it. Okay. It wasn't a very long book. Next book, ladies and gentlemen, we've been asking for help from our listeners and our readers and readers, our listeners and our fans for a while. We have a poll out there. If you go to reading-radio.com, it'd be one of the most recent posts. We're just looking for help. What books do you love? What books are you passionate about? What books should we be reading? So we've got a poll out there, and we've decided when we don't have a burning passion for anything in particular, we're going to let the audience decide. And right now, we've got a book with only a few votes, but it's going to be our leader. Um, It's the book we're going to read next. Do you remember what it is? It's Dodger by Terry Pratchett. And Terry Pratchett's written, oh gosh, 100 books probably. You, You and I have read Dodger already, loved it. Uh, so this will be your first time reading. I'll read it again, and we'll we'll see how everything goes. I think you'll really enjoy it. But a uh, super, super plug for audiobook, because I, off the top of my head, I don't remember who reads it for Dodger, but oh my gosh, it's so good, which is what kept me doing Pratchett's books, because I went through and figured out who that audio author was and kept following Pratchett's book with yeah, that audio author. Well, I love Audible, because you can actually look up 
the reader instead, not just the author. So if you just want to listen to books by that reader, you can find them. And it's so, great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because there's certain ones that I've, I've listened to. I'm like, oh, I really like this person. I should listen to more of that. She's going to think about this for a while. So if you'd like to join us next month, uh, that'll be this will release March. So that'll be April. And we'll have two more books. Go out and tell us what we should read because we don't have things lined up for this year, but we'll be lining things up from that poll over the summer. So we really want your opinion. We want this to be something you can jump in and enjoy with us and with your family and build a great relationship through a mutual love of literature. Aren't you poetic? Not really. <laughs> You're no Ray Bradbury. <laughs> I'm no Ray Bradbury. That He's just true. okay at it. Just okay podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? All right, everybody. Check out reading-radio.com for our show notes. Anything else you could possibly want to know, where our Facebook group is so we can have discussions about the books, what sponsors you can help out and help us out with, and anything else you could want to know, all of our social media accounts. That's it. Everything's out there at reading-radio.com. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading. Reading Radio is a podcast released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share-alike license. The music that you're now hearing is by Kevin McLeod of Income Tech, also released under a Creative Commons share-alike attribution license. Means you can use this show for any non-commercial purpose as long as you give us credit. All notes and anything else you'd want to find out about Reading Radio can be found at reading-radio.com. If you head over there, you can subscribe to this podcast as well as join our Facebook group where you can contribute to telling us what books we should read. Because Reading Radio is all about bringing families and friends together through a mutual love of young adult literature. And we'd love for you to meet. Happy reading.